I'm quite happy that it's going to be the end of Top the Pops 1989 soon. We've hit <laughs> Christmas songs, so I know we're getting towards the end. I don't think 1989 has been a bumper year. But next we're in the 90s. Yes. Yes, That's exciting, isn't it? And that's exciting as well. So it's like a dual thing, isn't it? Like we're going into 1990, which I I reckon is going to be pretty good. But then we're actually in the decade of the 90s as well. Assuming they don't just start at 1980 again. No, they wouldn't. We're carrying on. We're going to get all the way up to the the present day, surely. Well, not present day because they don't do it anymore. But you know what I mean. Just for context, uh, currently at number one is Jive Bunny and the Master Mixers. With Let's Party which is what they call a mega mix of Christmas songs. But it's not, because a mega mix has a lot of little bits of the songs, like bits, not necessarily chorus as well, like really random bits sampling the songs. This is just, let's play half of a Christmas song and then have an interlude with a turkey for some reason. On the in, advert, in, yeah. in, in the video. On the video, yeah. The advert, the yeah. Advert. <laughs> and then play another song. And it is just... Merry Christmas by Slade mm-hmm. and I wish it could be Christmas every day by yeah. Wizard. Along it. with that trumpet song in the middle at the Get Out of Christmas. No, no, that's not what it is. is that, that's Drive Bunny as well though, isn't it? Yeah, but in the middle of that song that we're talking about, it's da 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 just for just for context, we've literally watched this five minutes before we started recording. Yeah, so that's why it's on my mind. Well, it's clearly not if you think it's uh, something different. There's, I mean, there's some good stuff in 1989. Jason Donovan's at number two. You know, electronics just hit electronics just being on. And you've done your usual thing of asking me the question that you always ask me. I mean, you must ask me this question like once every fortnight. Well, why do you not know the answer then? Because I'm, I mustn't listen, or it just can't process in my mind for for reference the, the question is what are the four bands that spun out of new order and i always want to say something like the peter hook experience and you always go no that's not right i mean there might be a no, no it might just be the fact that you that there's like a peter hook something like there's a band with peter hook in but anyway there's monaco electronic yes and then a band called the other two that you always tell me about that I always forget. which is the other two from New Order from New any any bands with no no, that, no Google really it's, yeah oh that's a shame but yeah I, I enjoyed Electronic on Top of the Pops 1989 tonight less so wet 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 it was a bit boring wasn't it but for comedy value Van Morrison and Cliff Richard with a song we had never heard of yeah God shines his light Something along those Something lines, along the, yeah. yeah. And Van Morrison looks on death's door. He looked very old and yeah. not well. And then, so I looked him up, and he was forty-four at the time. That was four. I still can't get over that. I was just shouting at the telly. He's four years older than you. If you go to our Instagram, we will put a picture of Van Morrison <laughs> uh, on this video, so uh, just to, everyone can experience how old how old Van Morrison looks. Genuinely, looked. without like going over the top, you asked me how old I thought he was, and I genuinely thought he was about 63. That's how I would have placed him if I thought, right, okay, look at that man, tell me his age, 63, and I thought that was being pretty generous. Mm. It's a big weekend this weekend, isn't it? Why? Why is it a big weekend? We're going to the pub. Oh, we are. Yes, we're going to the pub. We are going to the pub. We're going to the pub. The best pub. We're going to our wedding venue. We're going to our wedding venue. 
wooden venue. <laughs> so yeah. So we're going. We're going home. I th- I feel like we're going home. Yeah. Yeah. It's gonna be amazing. So I'm yeah. So looking forward to that. I mean, I still can say it safely because we'll have been by the time we've this has come out. Yeah, yeah. So our yeah. billions of fans won't be rocking up there <laughs> trying, to, trying to mob us. But it's going to be fantastic. It's going to be lo- lovely to just be outside because we're yes. going to be outside in the beer in a beer garden. Oh, I'm so Fabulous. excited! Yeah, and they've got lots of big tables. Waitress service is it? I don't think. So. Well, I don't know. We'll find out. I'm just going to send you to the we'll bar. I've got waitress service. I know we're, uh, we're getting our temperatures checked when we go go there. Which oh, is really? Good. Yeah, yeah. We're going to do temp check, and so don't go like running towards the venue. That's not how it works. No, I know. I know. So yeah, that'll be fun. Mm. Uh, so we'll report back next week how, how just how drunk how we went. get. See, this is the problem, right? When you when you're out with a baby, yes, you just you just can't, you just can't. So no, one of us can't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wonder which one that will be. I wonder who's going to be sensible and who's one of us not can... going to be sensible. One of us can roll home. <laughs> I'll put you in the buggy. Yeah, yeah. I'll just sit on the bottom, just lie prone along the I'll, shelf at the bottom. I'll carry. It's quite a big buggy. I'll carry him, and yeah. we can put you, uh, put you in the buggy, and push her, push her onto the bedroom. Deal. Yeah. Deal. Done. Yeah. Should we talk about telly? I mean, there's not a lot this week. It's been That's somewhat of a lean week. Yeah, I'm sighing a little bit because I'm. Yeah, we've not got that much to. But having said that, we went like the longest we've ever done the podcast last week it was one hour 17 minutes and that was with a load of editing yeah so maybe this is the this is the time to balance it up i see you cut out all my funny bits which funny bits were they mark i don't know i'm trying to to sound more erudite than i am watching television watching television so I've watched something, and you've watched something, so that... I finished know, something. You finished something, so and I started you, something. So if you go first, mm-hmm. and I'll um, I'll follow on. So I've been watching the first two episodes of The Plot Against America. Okay. I am now hesitating, because I cannot remember what channel this is on. I it's on Sky it's Atlantic. Sky Atlantic, yeah. yeah. Sky Atlantic, so... I hadn't heard of this. It hadn't even come up on the Sky, like, featured or things mm. you might like. But a couple of other podcasts that we listened to had talked about it. And there was mention of alternate history and the man in the high castle. And you know I love a bit of alternate history. <laughs> and you know I had generally good feelings about the man in the high castle. We talked about that. Actually, one of our earliest episodes was talking about yes. the, the whole of the man in the high castle. Because that had... I think it was four series in total. Mm. And I had just finished watching the last one. So this is a drama that is set in the 1940s, skewing history at the time when President Roosevelt would have been elected in our timeline. But instead, in their timeline, the aviator Charles Lindbergh is elected. I've heard the name. Yeah, so would I. I have very, very little knowledge of Mm. this part of history. And you know my American history is not great anyway. But he was was an American aviator and he was uh, right-leaning in real life. And I think he founded the America First Party, which has obvious, you know, there's there's connotations um, with, with current day, with Trump, for example. Yeah. So in this drama, 
instead of FDR getting elected, mm. Lindbergh gets elected. And instead of America joining the war against the Nazis, Lindbergh is mates with Hitler. Yes. Okay. So we're following the whole th- way through, and certainly these first two episodes that I've watched, a Jewish family called the Roths, who are based in Newark, New Jersey, and we are getting to know them as we see the rise of anti-Semitism okay. in America through this election of a right-wing president okay. instead of FDR, who would have then joined the Allies mm. to beat the Nazis. Yeah. I'm two episodes in, like I say, I'm finding it a hard watch. Do you remember when I talked about The Man in the High Castle? And I said, what I really would have loved is if they left all the sci-fi to one side and they just concentrated on the drama. Yes. This is exactly what this is doing. So I'm really struggling as to why I'm finding it a struggle. Does that make sense? Okay, yeah, yeah. This is exactly what I was looking for. It is The Man in the High Castle. It's the premise of The Man in the High Castle without any of the sci-fi. It is It is absolutely... Everything is played straight, factual. You believe everything that is going on. There's no supernatural. There's no sort of alternate worlds or anything like that. Mm. This is so realistic and it is absolutely beautifully done the 1940s just realized on the tv i've never seen anything like it it it's just the detail and i know i spoke about detail with mrs america last week as well and said that they put lots of detail into that and we talked about mad men but this is you it's like you're stepping into the 40s and one of the actors who's involved in this programme has said that just to walk across the street they had 22 genuine cars from that era they had um, pe- they, they went to the detail of which cigarettes this particular family would have been smoking in this district at that time Okay, it's the people behind the wire oh so it's um, David um... it's Ed Burns and David something else and I can't remember his David Simon okay So that's what drew me to it as well. And that's what's really making me stick with it. I've thought long and hard about why I'm finding it hard to to digest. I think there's two things. Yeah. Number one, I am watching this when a small person is blowing raspberries and singing. And I mean incessantly throughout (laughs) the entire programme. So every time you've gone up for a lie down or you've gone to do something in a different room, Mm. I've stuck this programme on just to give me something to do in the background while I'm sorting stuff out. But I'm trying to watch it, but I'm also trying to look after an infant. Mm. And he has just decided that this is the time to sing, do-do-do-da-da-da, raspberry blowing, you you know, really excitable for an entire hour. What's Blake doing while this little person (laughs) is doing? So there's that to begin with. I can't put subtitles on. Yeah, I mean, I fully understand this because I tried to start watching Dark the other week uh, in a first thing in the morning when I'd got up with Blake and I had to watch the first episode twice and then realised there's no way I can just carry on watching every episode twice of it. So yeah, I fully understand that. So that's my that's my first bit. So I'm, I keep thinking, right, okay, it's just that. But when I've thought about it a bit more, I think the second thing is... It is so true to life, and I know where this is going. It's this lovely Jewish family 
we're getting to know them intimately. Mm. We are getting to, you know, see them doing a comedy routine on a night time, being reasonable and kind with their children, trying to support others in, in, in their neighbourhood, wanting a, a better life. They're a working class family and they're wanting to move to another part of the neighbourhood. Yes. We're starting to see a, a fascists in their neighbourhood. One of the cousins get beaten up. You know, you... I know where this is going. Yes. And although this may seem cowardly, I just don't think I can take it right now. It's so devastatingly relevant to now. Yes. This is so appropriate for our time. We know this is happening. We we know we've got a, a president, a US president at the moment that says that Mexicans are rapists. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. that language comes out in this. Yes, it's set in the 40s, mm. but they're talking about America first. They're saying take back our country. They're talking about the Jewish race in inverted commas. You can you know, you can you can draw the lines quite yes. quite clearly. Mm. And I think that's what it is for me at the moment that I don't think I can take much more of mm. m- much more of this okay. because it's been a difficult time anyway. Yeah, it, I mean politically. David Simon's fil- uh, TV shows are notorious for this. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I don't know if you, have you seen The Wire. No, I've not either. Um, but yeah, it's um, and I know that he's just finished The Juice, which okay. was about the. Um, was that about? Um, the porn 1970s porn industry, industry yeah. and he had Treme as well which was about the um, New Orleans during the hurricane okay the, the storm yeah I'm just looking at who's in this yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, yeah I'm like this is a hell of a cast isn't it yeah so Winona Ryder brilliant she's really good uh, Zoe Kazan who yeah. I love yeah um, I, I can imagine you would yes. yeah um, Dano. oh because I know her from uh, Ruby, Ruby Sparks, Sparks which, which... together. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. right, that makes a lot of sense. And I also know from The Big Sick. Yes. Um, Morgan Spector, who was in um, Boardwalk Empire as Stephen Graham's brother, um, Al Capone's brother in it. Oh, and David Crumholz. Oh, my favourite. Do you know who I'm talking about? No, I have no idea. Oh, yeah. Oh, he looks a bit like... Um... He almost looks a bit Oscar Isaac-y there. Yeah, well, he's the geeky friend in 10 Things I Hate About You. Of course he is! Yeah, he's of done... Of course he is! He's one of them people who's done so well for himself. Wow, from... he looks great! Yeah. <laughs> like, whoa! Yeah, yeah. I don't think you've seen 10 Things I Hate About You. I've seen enough of it. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry for that. Every time it comes on, just yeah. watch five minutes of it. Yeah, cast is brilliant. Mm. It looks beautiful. Incredibly accurate portrayal of the 1940s. It looks like a whole load of heart and a whole load of money's been shoved into it. Yeah. But the premise itself and seeing the rise of fascism in in America at this time, which will I know will directly affect this this lovely Jewish family and all of their friends and their neighbourhood, and I can just see mm. where it's going. I just don't think I can deal with the heartbreak of watching what happens to them because we know what happened to the Jewish people under the Nazi regime. We know, we know about anti-Semitism now. Yeah. You know, this hasn't gone away. And I just don't think I can take it. Okay. That, that's understandable. It might be one to come back to a different yeah. time. And, uh, one where a small boy isn't singing through some really, like, grim moments. Yeah. And two, just to give myself a bit more time to... I would like... I, it, this should be something that I should have just eaten up in a week because yes. it's all there for me to see but I found myself wanting to go back to Mrs. America 
for the lightness of the and you know and I say that with a with a, a wry smile yeah. for the lightness of the equal rights movement um compared to this okay okay so yeah maybe we'll maybe we'll revisit it in the future mm-hmm. um cuz I know David Simon's obviously well very well thought of uh from the wire so. and this is getting fantastic reviews mm. and one of the other podcasts that we listen to the pilot tv podcast I think Boyd Hilton on that podcast was saying, you know, get get to episode, I think it was like six or something he was saying. You get to that and it turns or, not that it turns, no, that's wrong. Because it's not saying that it's rubbish to begin with, but it, it that's that's like a, um, there's a culmination in a particular episode and that's when you go, wow, this is amazing. Yes. But I just don't think at this point in time I can get to episode six without really, really stealing myself for what might be occurring. Okay, okay. So you finished, oh, let me get this right. We got this wrong last time. Is it? Uh, we didn't. Okay. I may destroy you. That's correct. Good. Yes. Phew. Right. Yeah, I finished. Um, I may destroy you finished this week on, it's been on BBC Two, I think. Or maybe BBC, it's BBC One or Two. Uh, it's been on the iPlayer and it's been on HBO in America. Um, I think they're a bit behind on it. It's weird, isn't it, now that... Because we don't watch things like when they come out on TV. Yeah. I wouldn't have a clue whether it was on BBC Three, BBC Two, BBC One. So, mm. yeah. So, I think I feel the need to review this from two different angles. Because every single review I'm reading is full of hyperbole for this. And I've heard things such as saying it's the new This Life. It is people saying it's one of the best TV shows ever. Which is... A very strong thing to say for something that at the time hadn't even finished. That's something you would say. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I'm not. I don't paid for this. How <laughs> do we pay out to do this? So, um, and that builds up a lot of expectations. But then, as I'm always quite wary when there is TV shows about writers because I think journalists overmark them almost. Um, it happened with. Do you remember Nathan Barley? Another name, I didn't see it. Mm. It was about someone who had like a very trendy, over-the-top magazine uh, that came out. And everyone who was in magazines wrote mm. how great it was. And everyone else who watched it, just in the public, were like, yeah, I can't relate with this at all. Yeah. It's like if someone did something about... It's like a lot of solicitors, I imagine, are crave yeah, about yeah. suits. <laughs> although that's a bit they of do. a bit... Yeah, yeah, yeah. My students love suits. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Even so... This is a such a phenomenal piece of work that really deserves to be seen. I can fully understand why you didn't watch this. You watched the first episode and mm-hmm. found it problematic. I think when we first reviewed it, I think problematic might not be. No, pro- sorry, yeah, that's might not that's be completely, the right word. Yeah. It's just that I f- found it a difficult watch because of the mm. the themes that were were involved. Yeah, yeah, that's I think that's yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's exactly right. Thank you. I think when I reviewed it, I thought this was going to be some little almost like a mystery of her trying to find out what happened that night. That is very much in the background for the entire series and it's only sort of the last two episodes where we kind of return to that. It influences the things she does, it influences the person she becomes, but we get to deal with that rather than the actual what happened on this night. I, I don't think, I think at the time we sort of shied away from spoiling it, but yeah, yeah, I think yeah. for the purpose of this, I'm going to say 
the first episode ends with her getting a flashback on a very heavy night out to a sexual assault. And it's just very a very vivid but very short flashback and that's all she can remember. But she has no memory of what's happened. And really that, inf- yeah, that influences the entire series. This isn't told as a linear story. So it goes back to her childhood. It goes back to her school days. It goes back... We spend a lot of time with the cast of characters around her. Um, her two best friends are brilliant. And I'm going to just look up what their names are. Uh, so Michaela Cole is obviously the writer-creator. Did a lot of directing, I believe. I'm going to really butcher this pronunciation. But Roruchi up here is her best friend, Terry. And Papa Esidu is her other best friend Kwame who's a gay guy who is trying to sort of find himself on the scene uh, Terry is an aspiring actress who is trying to make a way in the industry and then there is a wider circle of friends uh, there is a love interest in Italy who she met in the first episode, we see them ending, but we have a flashback episodes where she goes back. She spends a lot of time with him. We see time at school. And this covers so many facets of life for youngsters. It covers dating apps. It obviously covers consent. Um, it covers social media and people's reliance upon it. It As, as, as a white 40-year-old man, it's something that I don't have to have a lot of time, but it is a such a view into this there is a moment in the second to last episode where my jaw actually hit the floor there is a reveal about a character which i did not see coming and probably showed some of my ignorance about the subject of a certain subject of people at the minute which i'm not going to say because i I want people to have the same experience Mm -hmm. that i did it is so well done and then we got to the last episode and the last episode, it somewhat leaves the format behind. The la- the way the last episode works is 100% not for me. I think you caught the very, very end of this. I didn't know whether you were going to mention that. But yeah, I did. And I I, I thought, ooh, I might like this. <laughs> because there seemed to be some kind of mystery, almost like supernatural element to it, or mystery element, or... And and then there was, you know, what I'm like with writing, because I love things to do with writing, because that's what I do. So there's a scene of s- someone reading out an extract of their book, and mm. I'm like, I was having a little thing, like, one day that could be me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that sort of like, what would I do if I win the lottery moment, where you're sitting, oh, yes, I could do that one day, but clearly it's never going to happen. So I, I was pulled in just for that. Mm. Yeah. It's a very, very brave piece of writing to tell the, to finish the story in this non-linear fashion. And just it didn't work for me. It doesn't mean it doesn't work full stop. Fair play to have having a go. Because uh, this is getting rave reviews and mm. one 40-year-old white guy in Newcastle is not necessarily not, going not, to break out. Sure yeah, episode. not going to break out. spirit. Not sure about that. Um, the strongest episode for me was the first look at her school days it goes into accusations of um, sexual assault fake accusations of sexual assault but it also delves into why that might happen from people what drives people to make these accusations Mm -hmm. and things like that and we see characters in different lights and it it this is such well written program i really recommend people watch it it's 12 episodes they are half an hour long each i fired through because after we reviewed it, I sort of sat on it for a couple of weeks just trying to 
go through it. And then these reviews kept on coming back, coming back, and I've fired off the entire series in about the rest of the series in a week. It is so good and so strong. It deserves to be seen. I'm really tempted to go back and see um, Chewing Gum and Black Earth Rising now because mm-hmm. she will. I, I can I can see her star going the same way as uh, Phoebe Waller Bridge, and I know that you shouldn't compare them. I know that it's like problematic to compare yeah, yeah. the two British uh, female yeah. uh, writer yeah. actors, but yeah, she deserves to. Ending on a high then. Yeah. On the on the old TV. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm really impressed with this show, as you can probably tell. Well, let's hope that war Liam Neeson carries on the uh, the the fantasticness of uh, your last review. <laughs> Who knows what lies lies ahead of us for date night? I've I've found the DVD that we have, and uh-huh. just to let you know, we are watching the uh, extended harder cut. Are you? You're not joking? No, no, no. Oh, That's I a... thought you were having a joke. Nope, nope. Still only 90 minutes. The extended harder cut. Yeah, that's what it says on the DVD. Wow. I don't... I mean, it's one of them things where when DVDs kit, you know, they yeah. put four extra seconds or something in, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Well, I look forward to that. <laughs> so, Liam Neeson, taken. Yeah, let's go. Let's do it. Dad! Oh, my darling. Hi. Happy birthday. Dad, guess what? Mm-hmm. You know my friend Amanda? Yep. Her cousins asked us to spend vacation with them in Paris. I really, really want to go. Hi, Daddy. You were supposed to call me when you left. There's someone here. What? Oh, my God, they got Amanda. They got me. All right, listen to me. Go to the next bedroom, under the bed. Tell me when you're there. <laughs> now, the next part is very important. They're going to take you. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. If you're looking for ransom, I can tell you I don't have money. But what I do have are a very particular set of skills. Skills I have acquired over a very long career. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. Where are they? If you let my daughter go now, that'll be the end of it. You have a 96-hour to what? To never finding her. No. But if you don't, I will look for you. Where is she? I will find you. And I will kill you. Good luck. grief that was a film (laughs) if my smartwatch was on and it's not on at the moment but if my smartwatch was on telling me my heart rate there are times where it says calm down elaine calm down you've gone a bit fast there that's what it would be saying now it would be going you're not exercising elaine why is your heart rate going so high are you having a heart attack i can still feel my heart pounding in my chest because that is an adrenaline ride. Well, there we go. Wow. I feel I just need a moment. I mean, I see this more as a parable. Right. That nothing good can come from going to a U2 concert. 
forgot about that. I forgot about that. Oh, that bit where... <laughs> she, so, she, so they, they, uh, should we start yeah, off? Yeah, yeah, you're looking at me to say, let, let's go back a bit. Spoilers for... So we've just watched Taken. Yeah. Uh, the 2008 Liam Neeson action film where he takes it out on the whole of Europe, basically. Where his daughter gets kidnapped. Yes. And he will find them and he will kill them. Yes. You enjoyed this then? I can't... Well, oh, I enjoyed elements of it. I think it is a complete mishmash of a film. So there are so many different elements to this. There are comedic elements. There are th- there are laugh out loud moments. There are bits where I thought, oh, we're in a Pink Panther film. <laughs> Big Liam's got his newspaper up in his French cafe and he's waiting for someone to come along and he puts his newspaper down because they've gone past him. And oh, you, you just want to go, dun 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 What and, we really needed was holes cut out of the newspaper. Yeah, yeah. But... Uh... <laughs> stereotypes and it like everyone's carrying a baguette yes like there's no reason there's if they no had reason. a stripey a stripey t-shirt yeah. and a beret and, and some a, garlic some, yeah like, that's yeah. that would not have been beyond this film <laughs> and then uh, other part i've got that there are scenes that are really are really staying with me and uh, yeah it's difficult to it to explain but there are things that I can't get out of my head because they were so gruesome. It's really quite affecting. Okay, so I'll talk about the things which stayed with me. And I've seen this quite a few times because mm-hmm. it's always on ITV2. It's that sort of film. I saw it when it came out um, and then I've seen it plenty of times on, on like TV since. Mm-hmm. The things that stayed with me were kind of the auction scenes. Yeah. Because she's taken by a trafficking gang. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think probably... <laughs> Go back to something which shouldn't really shouldn't really be comparable to, but save me. Mm-hmm. The auction scenes there stayed in my mind, yeah. and it was a very different um, setting and everything like that. But yeah. these are when you see the girls sort of wheeled out, and yes. yeah, it, they and really do stay with for, you. Yeah, for them, yeah, mm. yeah. And um, and I didn't realize that the plot line involved um, the exploitation of women through sex trafficking. Yeah. I thought it was just a kidnapping, not just a kidnapping is not the right way of putting it, but I thought it was going to be your standard kidnapping for ransom. Yeah. Because when Xander Barkley, Xander Berkeley, <laughs> Yeah, Xander turns, Berkeley, Xander yeah. Berkeley turns up as our stepdad buying her a pony. Yes. I did think, oh, he's clearly got a lot of money. They're throwing this big party for her birthday. Big Liam's bought her a karaoke machine. A tiny little karaoke machine as well. Like a proper like night proper late nineties karaoke. And then and stepdad Xander from twenty-four has um bought her a pony. Then I thought, oh great, he's gonna be involved in some sort of dirty dealings and he's gonna have to go to Big Liam. I've had this terrible terrible you know, dodgy times and now they've taken it out on my stepdaughter. Yeah. But that's not the way it went. So that was really um, a surprise to me. Mm, okay. But yeah, the this, this, all the scenes of sex trafficking, exploitation of women um, were, were really quite hard to, yeah, to watch. I, you're right. They, I mean, they are. They are tough to watch. Mm. Um, I think... I don't think there's anything sort of exploitative about it. I think it's... Obviously, the whole entire film itself is 
a little bit kick punch, mm. snap an arm mm. thing. But I don't think they were necessarily. I think they were done. I suspect, obviously, we know that this is going on at parts of yeah, the world. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's made to look as grim as it probably is. Mm. Um, you know, I think that what I was pleased was that we weren't seeing multiple scenes of women being assaulted. Yeah, that I think really would have. Tipped it. I mean, you you can imagine what was happening. They made that very clear what was happening. Mm. They were drugging the the. I mean, I've got to say women. They were young girls. Yeah. Um. And some looked very very young as well. Mm. Um. And they were there. Some were being farmed out in like centres where people could go. Yeah. And then we later find out that there's another layer to the enterprise that reminded me. Very much of the Jeffrey Epstein, um, of course, yeah. Sort of everything going around on around that with celebrities and people who have a large amount of money and power. Never even thought of that. That's obviously very much in the news at the minute. Yeah. and yeah, um... yeah. When it moved to that setting, where you could see that there was. Um, money and influence and power and the person was not just a nameless Algerian so yeah. the baddie moved from you know quite tropey nameless Al- Algerian who doesn't really get much to say and then get shot yeah when they moved it to very well spoken I think he was American yeah um even though he had a French he name, had a French name yeah. but he he seemed to speak sort of um in American accent mm. at times and he is um, suited and booted and is in a palatial apartment yeah. with lots of people who looked very trendy. They had sequin dresses and, and champagne. It moved to that. It really, the first thing I thought of was the Jeffrey Epstein, the affairs around that. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, it's not something because I've seen it so many times. It doesn't. I'm not sort of looking for themes in this at mm. this point. But yeah, that's yeah that that's spot. And on. I I like that you saw all the different angles. Mm. Um, won't stay on it too long because I, I still I don't think it's, it's quite it's really grim, isn't it? But I really like that it wasn't you. You were seeing, you seeing how that type of business extends throughout so so many different layers. And it's it's not just that it's a gang of Albanian men running this. It's then that the police are actually taking a cut. Yeah. And it's then they're taking certain women to other um, people who have what seems to be legitimate business interests and yeah. a lot of um, money and power and look... Uh, respectable on the surface and yet they're taking the women and selling them to other people so I actually quite like that it showed the 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 cycle and it it seemed to be quite realistic in my in my view you're thinking about this far more than I I ever have I know that that's I think that's probably a good thing I think that's uh, yeah um, let's move away from it from yeah I I did I don't think we need to dwell on that it's were not they were very affecting and very effective Mm. but it and and I suppose the reason I'm talking about it so much is because that seemed to jar so much with large proportions of the rest of the film. I mean, some some of this film is like straight to DVD comedy. Okay, which like Holly think... Valance. <laughs> Let's just put that out there, Holly Valance, right? Yeah. 
who rocks up as a pop star. I think she's meant to be like a Britney Spears or something. Cause... She's, yeah, something of that ilk. Probably at this time it'd be probably be Britney Spears. Maybe Miley Cyrus was mm. sort of... Um, There's a lot of don't point. put your daughter on the stage-ness about it. You know, you know um, she like warns Big Liam yeah. not to let his daughter become a singer because she's essentially saying it's exploitative. Yeah, I just spend all time travelling and seeing hotel rooms. Yeah, and, so, and yeah. even his mates who get him the job with Holly Valance to mm. be his Holly Valance's security, even they're saying, oh, she's a cash cow. So there's that theme through it. I think that's there is a theme. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they are retired um, special forces mm. uh, agents who are just getting security gigs. Yeah. Um, and this is the first point where Big Liam shows his, um, his martial chops. arts skills. It's amazing. I remember seeing that. I remember seeing that for the first time and just my jaw dropping that the dad from mm. um, Love Actually was yeah. doing that. I still don't really understand why anyone was trying to... Because um, this guy had a knife and Big yeah. Liam steps in. Why was anyone trying to attack Collie Valance? I just, there's no build-up to who this singer is or how much fame she has or that she has security issues. There is, I mean, they said that she's sold 25 million records. It was a throwaway line. Though. You yeah, don't see any but, billboards of her. You no. don't see her on the TV. I don't think it's necessarily... I mean, this was, this was made for a very low budget. Mm. It was 25 million. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's... It, it, it starred people who weren't starring in films at the time. And yeah, it doesn't necessarily... Like you say, it is a bit straight to DVD at points. Um, but yeah, I think it's an effective scene to introduce that he has a very certain set of skills where... Because it's just someone backstage just trying to attack her. That's all you need. <laughs> you don't need a backstory of the attacker or uh, anything like that. Well, I just, it sort of came out of the blue a little bit for me. But yeah, I, I know it's a device to let us see Big Liam in it, doing all of his bits of, oh, ooh, isn't he really good at getting rid of a knife and bundling a woman into a car and saving her? Yeah. He it's... saves a lot of women in this. Yes, he's, yes, he's, yes. A, he's the greatest American hero. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what would Liam Neeson done bef- before? You know now, I only think of him as this type of action hero. I know he's in one of your favourite films, not uh, Excalibur. Is he? Yeah, it's. I think that was one of his first roles because everyone's in that, like Patrick Stewart, and there's a load of sort of classical actors in in that. So obviously, his big films are Schindler's List. Of course, yeah, I forgot about that. So Dark Man, have you ever seen that? No. That that that's a really good film. Rob Roy, Michael Collins, Phantom Menace. <laughs> God, yeah. Why? It's, it's almost like he's got two careers. Yeah. And I've sort of forgotten. The, the first half. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, then there's Love Actually, mm-hmm. um, Kingdom of Heaven, um, then Batman Begins, and then he did one film throughout 2006 and 2007, and um, then this. And I presume, did that coincide with the death of his wife? No, that was after. Okay. I've just looked that up. But this film 100% relaunched his career. Right, okay. He still had um, the second... Chronicles of Narnia film, Narnia film did a bit of voiceover work, but then since then there's been Clash of the Titans, the A Team, the Wolf One, yeah, Wolf Puncher, yeah, uh, Unknown, and then the sequels, uh, Taken Two, Taken Three. I was about to say there's going to be sequels, isn't there? 
he has been in a fair amount. I feel quite protective towards him, even though I seem to have forgotten half of his career, because he had such a tragedy when his his wife died. Yes. So so early in such difficult circumstances, you just kind of feel quite protective towards him and thinking, well, you just want him to have fun and you want him to, you know, go to work and enjoy himself. Well, yeah, I I agree. Obviously, he had a bit of cancel culture last year. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, Yeah. where he made some comments that... Some some comments. It was referring to his past and, Mm. yeah, I think he... I think if he had his time again, he probably wouldn't make... I suspect hindsight is a wonderful would, thing Wouldn't make that. those yes. words again. He'd probably yeah. a little bit use some terms. Thinking. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Um, yeah, and I about that. I, d- I don't know if he's in anything... I've not seen him for a few... For, probably since then mm. in anything. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he will have something out yeah. sometime soon. Yeah. Because he is... He's now... He's a reliable older Jean-Claude Van Damme from the 90s <laughs> essentially yeah uh, and he's made a career out of it. he's made a second career out of doing yeah. it like you say um, you know he's not Oscar Schindler anymore he mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. Big Liam who yeah. punches and Even kicks we his way we call him Big Liam yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, there were a number of people in this film that I did not expect um, <laughs> so I thought that it was did I think it was the girl from 24 Alicia Cuthbert that, yeah and her name is Kim Yes. In 24. Yeah. Now, Liam's daughter in this is called Kim, but it's actually Shannon from Lost. Maggie Grace, yeah. That's it, thank you. She did annoy me quite a bit, but I think she's meant to be a very naive 17-year-old who's been brought up around a lot of money, has everything that she's ever wanted, and now she's going to Paris and she's excited. She's going to Paris to follow you too. Yeah, I'm just... What are we... I keep forgetting you about too. that. You too. You too. They're going... Of well, all the bands the, that they could pick. The, do you think Liam, like, put that in there? Do you think he just went... <laughs> Let's put you two in. And um, would she have had a? Would she have actually had a worse time if she had to listen to Bono every night? <laughs> I've seen you two. It was it was a bit much. Did he preach? He did. Yeah, he really did. Yeah, he got down on his knees and did all sorts of things. It was an interesting <laughs> evening. Um, yeah, that was a weird plot point that she was following. I mean, at what point in time? Because they go into her room when she's been taken. Right, they go into her room. It's full of beautiful impressionist art. There's no pictures of the edge anywhere as far as I can tell. She wants to be a singer, but she's like more like Holly Valance, not, you know, a bit of Bono. There's not a big crossover there, is there, between there's, Holly there's Valance not. and uh, a, bit, a bit of Beautiful Day. But yeah, so, she, was fa- she was fine. She was playing the... She's the playing young a young girl who comes from money. Yeah. A bit super switch, uh, super sweet 16 party mm. that was probably quite big on MTV at the time. And and then, who is the, the mother? Is Jean Grey. Famke Janssen. Uh, Famke Janssen, yeah. She's fine. It's a, it's a little bit overwrought. It's a little bit, I'm acting here. You're acting here. Absolutely. Our daughter has been taken. Yeah. Get her back. And then that's it. I mean, she doesn't even ring him throughout the whole time that he's trying to get her back going, you got her back there? Yeah, but how are you getting on? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And Xander Berkeley, what was it? Ber- it's Berkeley, isn't it? Yeah, Ber- Xander Berkeley. Yeah. Yeah. Xander Berkeley, also from 24. Um, so lovely 24 links in there. Maybe this is where you were. Uh... <laughs> yeah, no. No, no, one of these is what you've made up. Yeah. Um, he's in it for two seconds. She's got a horse. 
Oh, he, he comes in quite handy when Big Liam needs a plane. Yeah, what, yeah. What do Big, I need? Get me a Big plane. Liam's, Big Liam's looked up his business interests and know that he does dealings <laughs> with a private jet. Uh, so yeah, he can get a flight an hour ago. And then my other fa- my other favourite, and I don't know who plays him, but it's Jean-Claude, the French equivalent of Liam. Okay, yeah. Who who is Who is he? Can you look him up for me? So, his name is... Olivier Rabadouin. Okay. Um, so do you want to know what you will have known him in? When if, when, right, yeah, I will. Uh, yeah, I will. When he first came out of, like, when Liam spots him from behind the newspaper, I I thought he looked a bit like Kevin Spacey, and I thought, oh, God, is Kevin Spacey in this? That's That'd be problematic, problematic, wouldn't it? But thankfully not. Where, where do I know him from? So he was in... I'm just going through his career now. He was in The Tunnel. Do you ever watch The Tunnel? It was the English version of The Bridge. No, I just watched The Bridge. Oh, you might know him from a tie into today's episode, Black Uh Earth Rising. Oh, okay, right. He is the Brigadier General in that. Okay. Um, Now, I only got part way through Black Earth Rising, uh, so I I can't remember the scenes. It doesn't, nothing rings a bell, but. I thought he was a really interesting presence. Obviously, he's. Yeah, spoiler alert for this one. He's a double dealer. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's taking money. Um, but I thought it was really interesting how he was the equivalent of Liam. He'd also retired, in inverted commas. He takes money to support his family. I, yeah, I really liked him. I really, I really liked how he was... You, d- you didn't quite know where you stood with him, but you, you needed to keep an eye on him. You actually screamed out loud when uh, Big Liam shot his wife. I was just about to say that. It's so unnecessary. So <laughs> unnecessary. Like, I know he's got, oh, it's only a flesh wound. He shoots her in. I mean, what has she done? What has she... And maybe that's where I kind of think, well, the the violence against women in this, this film, it kind of, it seems to enjoy itself a little bit at moments like that. Okay. I thought that was really quite excessive. He could have shot him. He's the one that's doing the wrong thing. The wife isn't doing anything. Yeah, but he needs him to help him. I mean, I'm not defending it. Yeah, don't. I'm defend not defending him. it. But yeah, uh, I did. I did. Th- it was quite shocking. Yeah, it was quite shocking. Yeah, and I think it's, it's designed to be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this. Mm. Th- they would not have expected the success that this film has no. got. Um, no. I mean, this. Yeah, like I said, this was 25 million mm-hmm. uh, dollar film. It made 225 million mm. worldwide. So they took it to the bank and mm. by that I mean literally taking yeah. it to the bank in big sacks with dollar signs on it wow yeah there is one thing that I thought was an interesting theme that we see a lot in horror films so Kim her name is Kim isn't it I'm not making that up because yes. I'm thinking about 24 it's Kim in this Kim okay so Kim is travelling with her friend is Amanda that she's travelling with yes and Amanda is blonde and Kim is brunette and they're picked up at the airport as two girls who could be kidnapped and then trafficked yeah there's a scene after they arrive in Paris that's quite pointed where Amanda is talking about how she wants to sleep with the French guy that they've just met at the airport who actually turns out to be part of this trafficking gang yeah so she's talking about that and she very pointedly raises the issue that Kim is a virgin mm. and that she could find someone to sleep with in in France. So you're getting straight away Amanda is in inverted commas a good time girl. Yeah. And you know she's going to sleep with 
the French people. She's so 19. She is, she's she's 19. a couple of years older. She's marked as like more knowing. And then we're marking also Kim as very young, very nice. She's wearing a little hairband and she hasn't slept with anyone and she doesn't want to sleep with anyone. In fact, and she's sort of chastising her friend. Mm. So straight away, we've got the horror trope of the virgin and in inverted commas, the good time girl. Yeah. And we know who isn't going to survive, don't yes, we? Absolutely. And that's exactly played out in this film. Because, you know, later on, in a really, really gruesome scene, you know, when I was talking about gruesome scenes before, yeah. I found this really quite affecting. Big Liam walks into, um, I don't know, because I'm going Big Liam in these sort of moments. But, you know, <laughs> really annoying yeah. if I was listening to anyone else on the podcast. I know, I know. But so Kim's dad walks into, um, he's going to loads of different places, isn't he? And he's looking for these girls and he goes into a particular room and he sees Amanda on this bed, she's chained to the bed. She's dead. Yes. Um, it looks like she's vomited. There are track marks in her arm. There's a needle on the floor. Um, her and it's the way she's positioned on the bed. It her legs are all askew, and her clothes are all and she's eyes open, staring into the distance with the vomit coming out of her out of her mouth. And they 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 linger on that for quite a while. Um, after oh, the shit. the eyes being open and the the way mm. she's positioned on on the bed, and they come back to it, and he's looking at her, and it it just ticks the the horror boxes, which now are played on in things like Scream and other um, horror films that satirise the stereotypes and and the tropes. Yeah, but obviously this is post this is post Scream, mm. so yeah. I know. So, but I did think that was an interesting point that Kim doesn't ever seem to have been given drugs or if she, she's been, maybe been given some alcohol oh. but you don't see any track marks I don't, you don't think see... they show them I okay. think when she is brought out on stage mm. it is meant to show that she is drugged up to some point right okay but I don't think that it, the previous examples are of women who are chained who have been given what I presume to be heroin yeah I don't think that's what's happened with Kim and there's no suggestion in fact, they move away from from that. They explicitly say that she is, in inverted commas, pure. Pure, yeah. So we know that she has not had any kind of sexual assault. Yeah. And I, I just thought that was interesting, that they played out that routine in this type of film. I would have loved it if they had saved Amanda as well. Why did it, you know... And, so... Or, or why is Kim... It's just a device, isn't it, for Kim to be fine at the end. And she is fine at the end. She comes off that plane. Yeah. It's like she she comes running towards her mum and it's like maybe she was in a minor car accident. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Maybe she's got her wallet stolen and her dad came and gave her some traveller's checks. And then she goes to meet Holly Valance at the end and there's no suggestion at any point that she's traumatised by this event, which she clearly would have been, nor has she even spoken about her dead friend, nor do they even mention, like, I would have liked a scene at the end where they actually go and see Amanda's parents or there's some sort of resolution there, but oh no, she's dead, it's fine. that would be somewhat of a jarring thing, wouldn't it? When they come back and uh, have to go back and like, yeah, I'm very sorry. Um, That's not what I mean. That's, it's such a, you know, at the beginning, happy, happy, I've got a pony. Do you want want her her parents to be at the airport, like waiting for her and then get the news or something like that? I I wouldn't, I just don't want Kim going running towards 
her mum and stepdad as if nothing's I think a little bit more mm. almost like respect for what what happens in real life that she is lucky to have been saved from I mean, this fate. So again, I'll I'll say it, this was made as a B movie. Mm. Um it is edited down to ninety minutes so that it can be shown multiple times in, in theatres. So the that may have been in the script and it would probably have been removed just so that it's um, for I mean, pacing. You're and... looking at me. I know it's not a documentary. Yes. I know it's not a documentary. I know it's like almost like a... B- you appear to be B- thinking B- of t- the cracker. Yeah. Or, uh... yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I realise it's almost like an, one of the old style exploitation movies, but... <sighs> but that's exactly what it is. That is exactly what this was meant to be. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And I know you think I'm overanalyzing this. It's just that that's what's staying with me. Mm. You know, if you're asking my honest opinion, that is what's yeah. staying with, with me. So there's part of me that really wants to make this film a drinking game. And there's part of me that knows that that would be completely inappropriate. So that's why I'm finding it hard to balance this film. But... It's hilarious in parts and it's hideous in others. I think there is a role for exploitation films in cinema. I think it's something that we're sadly losing and that might be something that we see with these streaming services because it's so much to get a film on screen now. And I'm just thinking about what's the... I was about to say Chris Hemsworth film. It wasn't Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. Who did we watch? Yeah, it was Chris Hemsworth. Oh, was it Chris Hemsworth? Yes. Oh, good. Extraction. I must be more tired than I think. Uh, yeah, like Extraction. Yeah. I was thinking about that when you said that, that Netflix put on Extraction mm. and that was very much a kidnapping yeah. and going to find them and that sort of style. A lot of filmmakers that we now know and respect mm. made their name in exploitation film. Okay. Um, and I think that is kind of a something that's missing now. I mean, people tend now to get their start in television because the sort of premiumization of television is in the past few years. But... Yeah, if if you can get someone on Netflix that can do a cheap movie, um, make it ninety minutes and have a helicopter crash in the middle of it, mm. then yeah, you know, like it shows that, that it shows that people can make a film and make a film without it being a three-hour Transformers Michael Bay fest. Who directed this? Ah, okay. Um, so his name is a French director. Um, it's a French film. Mm, yeah, it's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, produced by it... Luc Besson. Oh, is it? Yes. Oh, now that makes sense. Yeah. Although, to be fair, it's not as stylish as the Luc Besson films of the 90s that I know. No, but, it, um, I mean, Luc Besson went on to produce the Transporter films. Okay, I didn't which, know that. Okay, right. yeah. So it's more like that, yeah. yeah so his name is Pierre Morel. He mm-hmm. is, um, he didn't actually do a lot after this. Uh, let's look at his filmography. He's never sort of gone into sort of mainstream American cinema. Not that's the beginning and end of no, everything. Um, but yeah, he's so he's done a bit of TV work. His big film after this was. Actually, I really like this film. Have you ever seen From Paris with Love? No. I'll read the IMDb synopsis. In Paris, a young employee in the office of the U.S. ambassadors hooked up with an American spy looking to stop a terrorist attack in the city. Wow. So the spy mm-hmm. is John Travolta. Of course it is. And the young, naive employee is Henry VIII. Uh, Jonathan Rhys Meyers? Yeah. Oh, you know what? I've seen the poster for this. I really enjoyed 
Ooh. I really enjoyed this we film. Might, we might have to watch that. <laughs> yeah. I do love a bit of Johnny Reese Myers. I mean, I'm sure and if I watch John it again, Travolta. I'm sure if I watch it again, it's crap. Yeah, but oh, it yeah, is. Yeah. It is very much like this. Mm-hmm. John Travolta has a shaved head and is all over the place. I've seen that poster. I've yeah. I'm really struggling to give this a rating. You say this every week. I know, but I really am with this one because I'm sort of in two minds about like the exploitation and then the comedy, and it just my mind's all over the place. And I think this is a solid three star film. Yeah, that is my yeah. sort of my instinctual feeling when I was watching it. I'm going solid three star. I was engaged the whole way through. I mean, we paused it so I could get a beer halfway yeah. through, and you were like, "I can't believe forty five minutes have 45 gone." Forty five minutes had gone. Mm. It, it kept up the pace. It had me really feeling for the characters. It had emotional elements. It had, don't think it was meant to be this, but very humorous elements. <laughs> so it had some tongue-in-cheek as well. Yeah. And some horrific humour that wasn't meant to be humour. <laughs> so, you know, I, I could just... Let's cut Holly Valance out of, out of this. I mean, I don't have anything against I the world, think, but um, like, there's no need for her to pop up at the end as well and give her singing lessons. But it's just a bookmark. It's, yeah, it's just a bookend of the film. I know. It, it, just, no, it just didn't I, play I don't, for me. I think Holly Valance could have been far worse than this. Yeah, I'm not having a go at her. I just think that plot line of, oh, look, the daughter wanted to be a singer. And then she, after her traumatic incident in which her friend dies, she gets to go to Holly Valance's house and it's all all right. So yeah, three stars yeah. is where, where I'm Would you I'm be interested in watching the sequel? Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would because okay. I'd like to know what happens. And I feel like for a franchise, it's just going to be Big Liam going and saving women around the world, which is fair enough. You know, <laughs> if I got kidnapped or, you know, was in a bit of trouble, I'd want Liam Neeson to come and sort it all out. Well, I mean, Taken 2, it's Liam that's taken... So who's going to come and save him? Well, he has to get out. That's the oh, thing. he has to save himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. It's it, not as I mean, impressed about. I've with seen that. I've seen Taken Two. Okay. Um, and I remember one sequence with people running across rooftops. <laughs> uh, I think it's set in like even I think it's like even further Eastern Europe, like maybe even like Turkey or somewhere like okay. that. Okay. I think it is Turkey. Oh, okay. And I remember there being hand grenades involved. Okay, good. That's all I remember. And Taken 3? I've never seen Taken 3. Okay. And then there is a Taken TV show. Is there? Yeah. Is it on Amazon Prime or something uh, like that? It didn't, no. It rings a bell. uh, Well, it might be in this country. It didn't last very long. So? So again, a slight tonal shift, I think, for next week. And something a little bit lighter. But if you're a fan of a bit of sci-fi, a bit of fantasy... I know what this is now. And a bit of James, I can't remember his name, Spader. Yeah, I do know what it is <laughs> now then. James Spader. Got real memory loss tonight, I don't know why. Then you'll enjoy that next week we're watching Stargate. Stargate. So this is why it appeared on our Sky Plus planner the other way. Yeah, I forgot about that. I mean, I'm glad that we don't have to pay for Rios anymore. Because uh, you normally pick something that would no concern. Yeah, thanks Channel 4. <laughs> Yeah, and I normally just pick something. I mean, I can't believe, like, last week's um, Flatliners. Can't get it anywhere. You have to buy these things. Everything I've chosen, we've had to buy. Yes, because you're not very good at this. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> so, yeah, Stargate. Slightly lighter. Yeah, so I know very little about this, mm-hmm. other than we started to watch it 
maybe a year or two ago. Yeah. And we had to cancel. We had to cancel it because the version we watched that was on like it wasn't on Amazon, but it was mm-hmm. on like a secondary service that you could get from Amazon, like Stars Play or MGM World or whatever it was. And we started watching it, and there was no subtitles at yeah. all. And there were characters in this who were speaking a different language yeah. where you have to have the subtitles and normally mm. they just pop up as part of the film mm. and I got really annoyed didn't I? I yeah. was like we can't watch this because that will happen through the various points in the film where those subtitles are needed so that we can understand what, what the characters are saying. So all I know about this film mm-hmm. despite having seen the first five minutes not uh, and understood part of that is Kurt Russell in it? Yeah. And is the guy from the crying game in it? Yes. And you said that last time we watched it and I got really like upset because I wanted you to get to that bit and do the usual thing of like, who is that? Who is that? So, uh, yeah, wait, wait and see. So pretend yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Look, honey, I know all there okay. is to know about the crying game. Well done. <laughs> Excellent. Map of honour around the room. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Stargate, fantasy, sci-fi, bit of a lighter touch. <laughs> Maybe. I think this is pretty light. I don't think this is... I mean, it's light It's light in parts. Yeah, and then, yeah. I'm okay. not going to revisit that, though. <laughs> You're going to carry on with that tonight, yeah. aren't you? I don't think it's that dark. I think it kind of is. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Stargate. Great. Look forward Brilliant. to it. Oh, thanks very much. Well, thank you, everybody. Thanks, everyone. And we'll see you next week. See you next week. Before you go, just a reminder that you can subscribe to the Honeymoon Period podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can join in the conversation on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram just search for The Honeymoon Pod. Finally, if you like this episode and you think someone else would too, please share it. See you next time.